Welcome to Blub's Talk, a video podcast dedicated to introducing experts in the field of speech therapy, education, families, and more. I'm Robert McKenzie, in-house teaching sensei at Speech Blubs. Today, I'm very pleased to introduce you to our guest, Emily Lawson of the Sandbox Academy, yay, who's going to talk about independent play, preschool, and lots more. Hi, Emily. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, welcome, we're, we're glad to have you. Um, why don't you um, help our viewers a little bit? First of all, I wanna say this. Uh, I read on your website a great line uh, in your website it says, your virtual mom friend who knows firsthand the messiness of motherhood. I love okay. that. <laughs> Do you have any specific stories you wanna share with us? <laughs> um. Goodness, there's no two days that are the same. And I mean, even though there's times where I look like I have it all together, I promise you, I set up an activity and my kids, there's times where they look at it and they're like, meh, pass. Right. And then there's times where they look at it and it's a total success. Yesterday I was doing something with my son and you know, the cute picture that goes on Instagram is the perfectly done activity and he took it and was he did it was with dot markers so he did the dot markers nice and pretty the way he was supposed to at first and then he took the he got to the end of the trail and he took the dot marker and just went like went to town you know (laughs) that doesn't make it onto social media that doesn't make it onto pinterest and that doesn't make it onto instagram and i think we need to share a little bit more of that so that parents aren't like sitting there thinking my kid doesn't do it that nice, neat, pretty way. My kid definitely adds a little, a little personality. <laughs> I agree. Hey, can you tell us a little bit about your background? How you train? First of all, you used to be a teacher, and now you're a stay-at-home mom. Can you talk about that transition uh, home? Yeah. So when I, I taught, I was primarily teaching in the fourth grade. I always wanted to get down to those younger years. Um, but my, I had my daughter when we were living in North Carolina, my husband was in the army. And when I was pregnant with my son, um, honestly, daycare costs were going to be the entire, my entire paycheck. And I had no desire to work just to pay for daycare. Um, so I became, decided to be a stay at home mom and I love that. Um, and, but shortly into where then this whole sandbox academy thing happened. I was totally content with just being a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home mom life, not having any side gigs, hobbies, whatever. Uh, but we, I was with a group of my mom friends, and a few of the moms were starting to talk about sending their kids to preschool. And at the time, my daughter, who's my oldest, was only 15, 18 months. It wasn't something that was on my radar. I was taken by surprise. And I was sitting there looking at some of my friends and trying to gauge the room, you know? See like, who is feeling this preschool thing? And am I the only one who's not? What's happening here? And in my head, I'm thinking, there's no way my husband is about to be on board with me sending our child, our daughter to preschool because I just, quit my job to stay home with her. Um, And I didn't really want to do that either. I was looking forward to a few years of just staying home with her. And I gauged the room. There were a few other moms who weren't feeling it either. And we kind of said that to us, are you doing this? Are you sending them to preschool? No, are you? No. And I looked at them and was like, I'm a teacher. I can write some activities for us to do at home with our kids. And so that was the plan. I was supposed to just write it for my friends and myself. And I went home to my husband and told him, told Eric about it. And he was like, yeah, you should write a blog. You should just write it for the whole world. You should just put it out there as if, you know, there's nothing more on my plate. I got nothing better to do. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And that was before your second job. I was pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. I was pregnant with my son, um, about to give birth. So I was like nine months pregnant. And he's like, why don't you just try this thing? 
but it did. And we tried it and it's, I'm enjoying it. I'm very grateful. Now, let that. me ask you this. Are, are you still uh, doing those kind of uh, support activities for your mom friends? Well, so now it's turned into the whole blog. So um, I don't write a specific activity for my friends or a new unit. Now it's turned into, I've written a curriculum um, and it's available. It's available to my friends. It's available to anyone and everyone who wants, who wants to try it. And I share ideas as well on social media so that, you know, we'll try before you buy type of thing. Um, so you can get a feel for the vibes and to see if it works for your kiddo, yeah. see how it works for your family. Well, it's amazing. I mean, uh, don't forget sandboxacademy.com is the place. And she has an amazing amount of resources there for parents who are helping their kids at home learn. And uh, everything from curriculum to different activities across the spectrum of types of things from baking to education to celebrations, crafts. And um, you also had, um, what was the big book that I, I really wanted to get myself? Uh, the preschool playbook? That's one, that's one, preschool playbook. That's my pride, uh, that's my baby number three. That's my pride and joy. <laughs> excellent. So there, there's free stuff, there's stuff to buy. It's really a big deal and you should all check it out. Um, now, let me ask you this. This is a, uh, you, you now have two kids. Mm -hmm. Have you missed being a teacher? I miss teaching other people's children. Yes. I do not miss interactions with parents. I uh, do not miss interaction. I don't miss the paperwork. I don't miss the planning. But I've had a few opportunities where I've gone to talk at like a MOPS group and I got to work with other people's kids. Yeah. And there is something magical about sitting and working with other people's kids and teaching other people's children. Um, I hope to do that as my kids are, you know, hopefully as schools hopefully start opening up again. It's always been one of my dreams to be able to go in and volunteer in my kids' classroom, run a reading center, run a math center. Um, so I do hope to get a little taste of it again, but sure. I have a desire to go back to the classroom. Well, let me ask you this since you brought it up. Um, what is the situation there in California with going back to school now? Your oldest child, your daughter, is six. Is she uh, in what first grade? She's in kindergarten. She's in kindergarten. Okay. Um, kindergarten or all school right now in where we are is, and each district is a little bit different. Right. But where we are specifically, we are in school five days a week in person from eight to noon. So it's still kind of a half day, right? Um, but with being there eight to noon, they're there long enough to do recess. They are wearing masks, um, but they are getting that social interaction and she is thriving being around other kids. So that's great. I have a fourth grader, it's the same with her. She, going back, she was, she was so used to being at home. She said, I don't wanna go back. But then she got there and it was like, the face just opened up and she's amazing. Yeah. So, okay. So your daughter's back at school half day, but your son is at home. He's four. Yes. Yes. So and, son, oh, and you're sorry. preschooling sort of homeschool kind of. Yeah, we do a little bit of a combo. So he has been in preschool all year, just two days a week, two half days. At first that was giving me enough time to really do some reading lessons with my kindergartner while my preschooler was gone. Um, now it's just routine. We're part, you know, we're there. Um, but he loves it. And then we do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, when he's home with me, we have activities as well. So I'll do some of my preschool playbook with him. And I just, it, that playbook, I don't want to plug, 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 but it's written to be very, adaptable and loose so I can pull a day here pull a day there and not feel like we're super behind so I use it to just fill in our days on um, Monday Wednesday Friday sometimes if I they come home both kids sometimes they come home from school and they are 
just needing a little push. They're needing a little guidance, you know, they, they're done, they're tired and they don't know what to do with themselves. And so I'll set up an activity just as that, like, not to be, let's do a little more work. You, you just came home from school and let's push you a little harder. That's not my goal at all. Instead, it's, they're standing in the room looking at me to direct their day. And my directions are to give some sort of activity. Sometimes it's giving them plastic cups and saying, how tall of a tower can you build with these plastic cups? Sometimes it's an activity on a big piece of butcher paper. Um, maybe I drew ladybugs and put a number on top of them and asked them to give them that number of spots or I set up a sensory bin. But those little setups kind of jolt my kids' um, brain, set them up for something to get started. And my daughter, she'll finish the activity I set up for her every single time. My son will get about 50 to 75% of the way through before he has lost interest. But when he loses interest, he isn't coming to me. He isn't saying, okay, what's next? He's like, okay. We, my brain sparked. So now I lost interest in what mom set up, but I'm totally interested in using these cups to do, uh, you know, to make a ramp or using these cups to make tunnels. And right. he has jumpstarted his ideas and totally gone running his own way into independent play, which that's the goal. That's the hope. That's the, that's the gold standard of learning and the right. dream of parenting that, you know, a little time for them to go do their own thing. Right, right. I, I was going to just bring that up. Um, you're a proponent of independent play. First, I have so many questions, and, and please bear with me. First of all, tell us exactly what is independent play. Okay, so per the, like, researchers, it would be kids playing by themselves for X amount of time. Um, and that X really changes based on how old your kiddo is. If you have a two-year-old, your expectation really should be five to 10 minutes. You're not gonna get a one to two hours. Um, and if anybody is selling you that you're gonna get one to two hours, run, cause they're lying. <laughs> um, you know, I have a four and a six-year-old and we've worked our way up to about one to two hours of wow. independent play. Um, and then, but so it, per definition, it's the child playing by themselves. Uh-huh. Now, my parenthood definition is the children playing without an adult. Um, that was my question next was, you have a daughter and a son, is playing together without you considered independent play or is it just something different? I will totally accept that every day of the week. There's a few times I gauge my kids' mood. You know, I can see are they feeling it or sometimes they're in a bad mood. And I'll say, you know what, today for independent play, we're, we're just going to play by ourselves or we're going to do the first hour by ourselves because I can see that one kid or both kids need a minute to right. just really decompress themselves. Sure. And that play together will be me breaking up more fights than enjoyable. Uh-huh. Um, but otherwise, if, if we're all in happy moods, I totally accept play together as independent play. Okay, now what are the benefits uh, of independent play to you? Oh my goodness, they could go on and on, but I will just give you some of my favorites. Okay. Problem solving. When our kids are Learn, so when I, like I said, my son will take those cups and turn them into a bridge or turn them into a tunnel. Well, he had to figure that out. He had to um, engage and I don't always know how to turn a cup into a tunnel. Um, And when he's doing it without a parent, he, I'm not there to be like, well, what if you added this what if you added this stick? What if you added this cup? Because that changes their train of thought instead of allowing them to figure it out on their own. They're reacting more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, so with problem solving comes resiliency. They're also going to build up the resiliency because they're going to get it wrong. They're going to 
they're going to make a mistake and they're going to have to try again. And as they make a mistake while they're building with their blocks or they make a mistake with their drawing and they have to start over, try again, try a new thing. One, they're building their problem solving skills and two, they're building up their resiliency to, okay, I can start all over. I can right. try to do with frustration. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the social emotional skills, they'll do, they'll deal with those frustrations. And a lot of times when you see kids playing, you know, if you play with dolls and you listen to your children, you'll hear them talking out scenarios. And most, most likely those scenarios are probably something that's already happened in their life. And they're re dealing with those emotions, whether it had been a happy day, you know, a moment when mom got mad, those, you, you hear it all. Sure. Um, but being able to play those things out allows their social emotional skills to really strengthen and develop so that they can kind of play out those stories before they're able to come and communicate those to you. Um, and it gives them the skills to then communicate them with you and communicate them with friends and other relationships in the future. Um, we'll build up their imagination, you know, creating those worlds. That's a big one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the last one I would say is their self-confidence. They'll build up a lot of self-confidence. That goes, I mean, that just goes so hand in hand with the problem solving, the resiliency is then when you get it and when you, you're successful, right. you feel yeah, you know, yeah. The, we've all ha seen those moments with our kids like, oh, you have to see this, mom. Yeah. Because they got it. They worked hard and they got it. Excellent. Now, as a teacher, I, the, the, one of the most interesting things for me is to ask you the skills that you use or you look for to build with independent play. Which skills are, do you like to work on? What do you, I don't, I don't know that I understand that question. Well, I, I didn't ask that very well. Like when you give them a directed activity that they can do on their own, yeah. um, you know, what, what skills are they working on? Is, are, do you, you said you were, um, you told me you were a math person generally. Mm -hmm. And I so yes. I would imagine you give them lots of opportunities to, to count and to order and to separate and to organize and things like that. Is that basically what's going on? Yes. Okay. So I understand your, your question. So when I set up an activity, I try to set up two types of activities. Um, one is a little more academic in nature and then one being a little more play-based or art um, mm -hmm. so that we have that more well-rounded background. Um, if I'm setting up a academic activity, if I could only pick one topic to teach my kid, it would be patterns a million times over. Um, every single math concept is a pattern. It is. Every single science concept is a pattern. And a huge amount of reading and literacy is patterns. Um, they're patterns within the letters of how, they, how the letters act within a word, how, um, so you know that A, you know, when, AI together says A or the, uh, what CVC words say, um, all that is pattern. So if I could only pick one skill to teach my kids, it would 100% be patterns. Uh, that said, I don't have to pick just one skill. So I'll give a little bit of the other ones. Uh, I in definitely introduce letter recognition and uh, we talk about sounds when we pick up letters. Uh -huh. I also introduce some basic shapes and then with numbers and numbers is such a big topic. Uh, there is identifying the numeral, there is identify or like one-to-one -one correspondence, which means understanding that one object is equal to one, two objects is equal to two, Right. Counting in order. So, and then the last thing I would say would be sorting and organizing. And I'm going to throw in one more literacy because I threw in too many please, math. Please, please, please. <laughs> one more literacy would be rhyming. Um, with our younger preschool kids, I think too many parents are worried about are they reading yet? But one of those, they, we just don't know because we're parents and we haven't 
we don't have teaching degrees, so you don't know what should be taught in what order. Right. Um, but rhyming is a huge skill in parent in children being able to hear the different sounds in a word. And before our kids can learn to read a word, they need to be able to hear the different sounds that each letter makes. So at that preschool level, I would do rhyming um, and they don't even need to be able to read or I, no, they don't need to know letters to be able to rhyme. We do rhyming games in the car with my, both my kids all the time. Um, and then letters and letter, rec letter recognition and talking about the sounds as well. Uh, do, do you uh, use music and songs uh, for rhyming as well? Uh, my kids do. <laughs> okay. I've used, we've watched a few YouTube videos, but I will be, and my husband's very good at playing the kid music. Um, I am not a fan of kid music and I do not engage in that. Uh -huh. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I understand completely. Uh, but we'll do nonsense words. And I mean, my kids will start some. It's funny because I was hesitant to introduce rhyming with my preschooler at first because I just thought it was such a big concept that she didn't need it. And she didn't. It was too big for her. Right. Um, and one day we just I kind of touched on it and she didn't seem to grasp it. So I was like, whatever, move on. That's a kindergarten skill. We'll just leave it for kindergarten. Um, and then. I mean, she probably watched a show or a video that talked about it again and reinforced that idea. But she just hopped in the car one day and she said to me, mom, does stop and pop rhyme? And I was like, yes, it does. And so then the whole car ride, she was giving me two words and asking me if they rhyme or not. And she could develop those patterns of when they were rhyming and when they weren't because they were sounding the same at the end and they weren't sounding the same at the end. Right. And we were using nonsense words, so words that aren't real, but it didn't matter if it were, matter if it was a real word or not. The goal was, do they rhyme or not? So right. yeah, those two nonsense words rhyme. Nope, mm -hmm. they don't. Um, well, and just- Dr. Zeus is great for that, you know? Yes. And just through our comp, mine and hers conversation, uh -huh. my son is also in the car. And so then he started popping in. Well, what about tail bail? Yep, those rhyme. Right. And those conversations, there was no activity set up. There was no fancy thing going on. It was just a conversation where my kid was like, hey, does this work? Does this work? And Excellent. yeah, it does. That's great. Now, we're going to take a short break here to pay the bills, uh, but we'll be right back with Emily Lawson of the Sandbox Academy. Uh, so we'll be right back. Speech is one of the main components of a child's development. Without speech, it is so much harder for children to express their needs, feelings, and opinions. The ability to speak also impacts their confidence, ability to connect with others, and success in life. We believe that every parent wants that for their child. Boost your child's ability to speak. Download SpeechBlub's fun and educational speech app used by more than 2 million parents just like you. Okay, welcome back to Blub Talk with Emily Lawson from Sandbox Academy. Uh, we're talking about independent play and most recently uh, some impromptu spontaneous games that occurred like in a car or at home about rhyming words, which Emily believes is very important. Can you expand on that a little bit? Sure, so we were talking a little bit before that rhyming is one of those um, prerequisite skills to reading. It allows us to um, hear the different sounds in a word, which before our kids can learn to read, they need to learn about um, Learning to learn letter sounds and the be able to hear the different sounds in a word, which will aid in their ability to read, writing, um, and all that jazz of literacy that will prep them for kindergarten. Excellent. Um, now, is there a time if the kids are playing independently, uh, and I'm sure it's different for each child, is there an amount of time where you start to wonder, well, uh, wait a second, I haven't heard anything from that child. I better go take a look to make sure everything's okay. 
Um, there's definitely been times where I've gone to look to make sure that they're still alive. Uh-huh. Um, there was once when I thought my, uh, recently, last week, I thought my son was in the backyard and I kind of poked my head out there to see because he was very quiet and he wasn't there. So then I went on a little search to find him. He had, and turns out he was in my daughter's room with her. Um, but very, very rarely will I, uh, interrupt independent play right it's got to be one of those things where i am questioning their safety or the safety of my household Uh, but and that also changes likely with your kids age and the stage of where they are my kids are older at this point i've we've established ground rules and um i i trust them do we have mistakes? Of course we do. And sometimes I have to deal yeah. with the consequences of the fact that I got two hours to myself and, <laughs> and I just weigh the, you know, the pros and cons of that. Sure. But as they're younger, yeah, I probably would check in a lot more frequently. Um, but you're also not getting as long of amount of time, as much independent play from, you're going to get five to 10 minutes from a two-year-old, not a full two hours. If you're getting an hour from your two-year-old, you should definitely be checking on them to see what they got into. <laughs> right. Well, and I wanted to ask you this as well, because my children were a little different than most kids in that they preferred to, to play on their own. In fact, we had to not push them, but certainly create opportunities on a regular basis where they would feel uh, okay about going and playing with other kids, whether it's uh, next door or uh, outside or on a play date. See, I grew up in an age in a neighborhood where there were no play dates. The, my mom just would say, go outside. I don't want to see you till lunch. Go outside. I don't want to see you till dinner. And no phones. She didn't know where we were. Uh, but now it's a very different different time. Yes. So, What would you say to a parent with kids like that, that need a little push to be with other kids? Well, so I think you kind of talked about it, that you created the opportunity for them and making those opportunities available and and normal and just part of their regular routine. Um, For my kids, I was part of the fit for uh, a group called fit for mom, where I went and worked out with my kids. And then the kids got all got to go play afterwards but so it was part of their daily routine already to have play with other kids. So it was just something that we built into our routine and was normal for them. If your kids are a little older, um, you're building in play dates into their routine. You're building right. in school. Uh, but just at anything, it's independent play, play with other kids. It's all about building routine and creating an environment that is where these things are normal for your children and ex- and they eventually learn what's expected and jump right in. And I mean, I'm an introvert. I don't, I'm not a huge person who I I've got my three close friends and I'm good with that. Right. Um, but at some point I crave that interaction and I do go looking for it. I also crave my alone time and that's, there's obviously I was a child at one point. So those things are normal sure. uh, even within kids, but definitely they do need those social skills. Let me ask you this, uh, during this pandemic, a lot of people, a lot of experts have talked about the fact that children losing almost a year of social interaction, of being at school with kids, of having, like you say, um, opportunities to solve their own issues and build resiliency. For, for parents whose kids are just going back to school, how can you possibly make up for, for that year uh, that the kids lost a lot? They did. Um, I don't know that you make up for it, but you just take us, it, what happened happened, we're moving forward and we're going to do our best to take the rights, to do the next right thing. Uh-huh. To, uh, um, to reintegrate them with sports or whatever your family is. Com- I don't want to push any family to do something they're not comfortable with. Take it right. at the pace that they want to take it at. Um, I'll say social skills are 
vital for our children. Um, I did, I've read a lot of things that said kids are resilient and I do agree that kids are very resilient. Um, but I will also say that in all of my studying of child development, there was never a time where those theorists and psychologists would have said that a year off would just leave the kids totally cool. Yeah. Uh, there's no research that backs that. No, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really changed everything in some ways. Yes. But then just once you're comfortable, jump right in, set up that play date with a family that you feel comfortable with, set up a, you know, put them back in sports and just try to jump back in as normal as possible so that your kids can jump in and feel the little bit of the comfort in knowing that all while all the kids did lose that year too, you know, so they're all jumping in at that same spot. It's not just you. Can, can there be too much independent play ever, in your opinion? I, I lean towards saying no, but <laughs> I don't have a child who would leave me alone for a long enough time that I would say yes to that. I know what you mean. Um, okay. Uh, when should parents start creating a situation where they can do independent play or do they just set their child down with uh, some toys or some things and slowly walk away and see how long they can do it slowly you know expand that time or how does it work exactly i get asked all the time how do we foster independent play so i would say at the 18 month to two-year-old age range is when I started feeling comfortable enough to maybe step in another room for a hot minute and come right back. Right. Uh, independent play can certainly happen with you sitting on the couch and there at your feet playing. Um, right. And that can be fostered from a very young age, from, you know, infancy to, to even two years old, if you're not comfortable stepping out of the room. Um, but I would say establish a routine that's your first step. There's, uh, for us, we know that at from one to three o'clock is independent play time. We mm-hmm. had, we used to call it rest time. That was what nap time was. And it just turned into quiet time. And now it's turned into play time. And it's been that way since my youngest was two years old. That's just our routine. Um, if you're, like I said, if you have those younger kids, maybe you're setting up since you're only getting smaller chunks of time, maybe you're doing two or three of these chunks where after your morning nap, after your afternoon nap, before lunch, we're doing these little um, bursts of independent play. Then the next thing would, you kind of talked about it, of backing away slowly. So I, uh, at first I I have a clingy child. And so for them, if I were to sit in the same room, and fold laundry while they played, they would want to just be sitting on my lap, having me hold them while I folded that laundry, which makes motherhood very stressful (laughs) because the house has to operate and you have to parent. Um, So for that kiddo or for both my kiddos, what I ended up doing was, you know, they were a little older. I felt comfortable to say, Hey, you're playing this right now. You're playing with your trains right now and you're doing such a great job. I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'm going to come right back. And you do that. You go to the bathroom, come right back. Don't get distracted with your phone. Don't go do a small task and think it's no big deal. And you're establishing that trust that I can go, you can sit here and play and keep playing by yourself. I can step away for a minute and I'm going to come right back. You're not going to lose me when I go, when I step away for a minute, I won't get lost. I'm coming right back to you. Right. And then the task becomes bigger. Okay, I'm going to go switch the laundry loads from the washer to the dryer. Okay, I'm going to bring the laundry and I'm going to fold at the couch while you play right here in the playroom. And I can see you, you can see me, but you're just slowly adding up time of a bigger task where you're stepping away slowly so that they don't feel that need to be 
with you as much. Right. Um, I'm thinking about independent play in everyday life and how it can be connected to different things that happen. And I, I immediately went to the first day of preschool every year, or actually it turned into the first week of preschool. If my child hadn't been so independent at home, I couldn't imagine them being okay with me leaving them at preschool for a few hours so that they would know that I would come back. It was yeah. always, daddy's going to come back. Don't worry. Daddy's going to come back. And so this independent play seems to be a part of basically everything that they will be doing. Is that oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I have had moments where I had to, um, where my, it wasn't preschool, but it was mops where I dropped my son off at the childcare while I went to go do my thing. Um, and they called me because he was not having it. Uh, <laughs> and it took a while. It took him learning that mommy, and we talked a lot, like mommy always comes back. I'll always be back. Um, but yeah, this, they, it's definitely a skill that could translate to separation and separation anxiety. Well, and, and that, that happens later as well when they start spending the night doing sleepovers. I don't know if your kids are quite there yet. No. But um, my mine, the preschools where we are, they, they start it from the very, very beginning. They'll take them on a week-long trip. Oh, wow. Or to the beach or into the mountains. And I'm just going, you guys are insane. <laughs> but they love it. And they come back and they feel more independent. They feel bigger. And uh, so that, that all worked very well. Okay, I have another uh, question for you. Um, on your website, it's truly amazing. Everyone should see it. All of the things that you do, uh, baking and crafting. And uh, so I, I, can you take us through your creative process when you're coming up with these independent activities? Um, so like baking stems from just my love. I actually had a very... <laughs> I have a very embarrassing blog from when I was in college and just first tried that out. And it was all about food and goodness gracious. I had a lot to learn about blogging and photography. Uh -huh. I still probably do, but the, that old school one was real, real bad. Um, but that my, I just like to be in the kitchen. Um, and it was a natural way. My kids then wanted to be there. Um, and so I just help, found ways to help have them in the kitchen with me. And there's so many learning benefits to it and just independent benefits to it that I decided to start share, incorporating that into what I do at the preschool age. It's truly unfortunate that those things start getting lost as we go into the older age, older years. So I started to throw it in at the preschool age levels where doing things that your kids actually can help. It's not a super cute, it may not be the cutest baked good, um, but it is something you Yeah, it is something. Cause, well, cause yeah. a lot of, when you search Pinterest, a lot of times when you search like a kid recipe, you're going to find um, a lot of really cute recipes but you're looking at it like, yeah, your four-year-old did not make that. Right. My four-year-old cannot make that. It's professionally made and <laughs> photographed. And... Um, so we don't always have some of the cutest, but it's made by my four-year-old. It's made yeah. by my six-year-old and it's something that they truly enjoyed. Um, crafts, I don't know. That's always just been something I have. Again, a lot of this stem from like the hobbies that I had. And that's why I went into a lot of the reasons why I went into teaching and wanted to do those younger age years was because I liked all the art. I liked all the crafts. Now my daughter is very involved. She came to me yesterday. She wrote a whole book about different activities that I can do to share with other families. And there are a few activities in the preschool playbook that she designed, she created 
Um, and she was like, okay, mommy, let's do this. And it was great. So I was like, all right, I love it. And it fits with the beach theme. So we'll throw this in the beach. Um, and that's always, and, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, and, and you know, it's possible for your kid to do it because my kid created it, you know, it right. wasn't something that was created by an adult. Well, I was going to say, it's always a great idea to start from a place of interest of your child. You know, if you let them lead you uh, in the direction they want to go, uh, in the things that they're interested in, whether it's with my son was, when he was a kid, he loved any kind of construction machinery. He wasn't into cars, he wasn't into trains, but if it was construction machinery, he was into it. Uh, with my daughter, she's more into art and crafts. So we'll sit down. She likes to bake with me. We, 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 she made a cake two nights ago. I said, you're going to make a cake. Which cake? She goes, don't worry, daddy. I'm going to do it by myself. And I said, you don't need my help at all. I was a little hurt, you know, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because we baked together every year, you know, she's 10 now, but she made this amazing cake. And, uh, but anyway, to, to get back to it, their interest means that they're going to be more likely to stay involved, stay engaged. There's buy-in. And yeah, and this is what we say at, you know, speech blubs and reading blubs. Uh, we say, use your daily activities and interests of your kids and describe what you're doing while you're doing them. Oh, look, this is a measuring cup. This is a half a cup. We need two half cups. How many half cups make a whole cup? Well, let's find out. Let's yep. see one. Here's a whole cup. Let's fill it up. See how many times we fill it up. Oh, well, two half cups make a whole cup. Yahtzee, you know, it's great. Yeah, I call it narrating your day. When oh, you, I'm you going to steal that as well. <laughs> narrate your day. It allows your kids to build up so much background knowledge and, and start that from as, from a speech perspective. Start that from infancy. Right. So they're hearing, they're, they're hearing so many words and taking them in. And as you're going to shopping in the grocery store, oh, you know what? Mommy has pasta on her list for today. So I need to grab this pasta. They've right. heard you say your list and you look down at it. So they have some context to what a list would be. They heard you say pasta. They saw you grab it off the shelf and they saw pasta. So now they've learned the word pasta. So many ways that they're just, by narrating your day, your kids are taking in so much information. Okay, we're running out of time slowly, but I really want, if you can, uh, give our parents, if you could give us three of your favorite activities to do at home with your kids to get them going independently. Absolutely. Okay, so my top three would be a water sensory bin. Um, and it, we do like a clean the water sensory bin. So I will fill a bit bucket with water, um, add pouch caps, bottle caps, um, little, whatever kind of looks like trash, but not, you know, you don't want to put your actual trash into a sensory bin, right. um, but just little pieces like that. And then maybe if I have animals, I'll throw animals into sea animals, throw sea animals into it. And then we're using a slotted spoon or tongs and we're cleaning out the um, pouch caps. We're cleaning the ocean. We're cleaning the water. Oh, great. They are working on their fine motor skills using that slotted spoon. They're working on their fine motor skills using the tongs. They're sorting and categorizing based on if it's, um, something that needs to be cleaned out of the ocean or is it an animal that stays in the ocean uh so that's my first one another one would be a color hunt so either use butcher paper or just construction paper and make little sections on a table based on color so i'll say construction paper for this example mm -hmm. uh, one piece of each color on the table and then your kids go and find toys of that color and match yeah. it to the piece of construction paper. Right. You can make it a little more challenging and put a number, a different number on each piece of paper and say, okay, so yellow has the number three on it. So you have to go find three yellow toys from the room. And if your house is messy, 
instead of having them take it from what's already in the playroom, have them go pick up the toys that are in the living room. So you're cleaning up, you're working on numbers and you're working on colors and they're moving. My kids love to move. Excellent. Um, And then the last one I would say, um, if you, this is, isn't going to be so much a butcher paper activity, but just a way to re-invite or get them reinterested in a toy is okay. if you have a toy that hasn't been played with in a while, put it out on your playroom table or your kitchen table or wherever they come to in the morning, it's all cleaned and you have that toy that they haven't played with in a while as the only thing on the table available or out for them. That toy that you thought they were totally done with is going to spark so much play. It will feel new and like you just went shopping for them. Christmas just came to them. And all you did was put a toy that hasn't been touched in a while on the table. Their excitement about it will take off. Well, those are really good. I want to change the subject to one last thing, and that's uh, about preschool education, because you have very specific ideas about what they should look like, what are the components that are necessary, what parents should or shouldn't worry about, how to build a foundation with that will last them a long time. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so if you're interviewing preschools, the very first thing I would ask is how much free play time the kids have, or if they're able to move freely from center to center. And um, because preschool is based about play. Preschool is that time to play and they will never get that time back. And it is our job and our responsibility as parents to honor that time. So if a preschool were telling me about all the worksheets that my kids are gonna sit down and do, I would go running for the hills. Um, if they're telling me that my kids will be reading and solving math sentences before they leave preschool, I'm out. My kids don't need that. My kids need that. That will be kindergarten. And those are kindergarten skills for a reason. So we'll do those in kindergarten. And there's a big push in because print because kindergarten has gotten so rigorous. Now preschool is starting to look real rigorous. Um, and I think it's our job as parents to push back on that and say, no, I want the play. I want the, and, and that is rigorous learning. Play is rigorous learning. I always have to put out my precursor that play is the ultimate goal. Um, I do know though that parents are looking for other concrete ideas of what else are we looking for? So I wanna answer that question too. Um, when we're looking at math, I think your focus should be zero through 10, all the way through, um, through preschool, you're building a huge, a huge foundation when you focus on zero through 10. And I know by like three weeks into it, you're going to be like, but my kid can count from zero to 10. They got it. They mastered that. And I know that it feels that way, but those, there's such a, so much to know about a number. Well, what, how much is 10? What comes before 10? What comes after 10? What's less than 10? What's more than 10? Um, What does the numeral look like? What does it look like when I'm holding black beans? What does it look like when I'm holding baseballs? It looks different. 10 is different in those respects. So focusing on zero through 10 through those preschool years, even when you feel like your kids got it, will allow for you to build this strong, solid foundation in math um, that will carry your kids through. And you will see, we're realists. When you pour out goldfish and you start counting goldfish, if you have 15, count all 15. You don't need to stop at 10 because I said, focus on 10, count 15. But when you're setting up an activity, focus on zero through 10. And you'll focus on ways like, okay, so I put seven dots here. How many more do I need to get 10? Um, How many twos are in 10? Yeah, there's so many ways to develop develop those concepts um, and so much to focus on on zero through 10. And it will, my daughter learned to count to 100 
by understanding patterns and understanding the um, zero through 10, we got to, we got to 20. She wanted to count to 21 day. And so we counted to 20 and she goes, okay, then what comes next? And I said, 21. And she immediately goes, so 22, 23, 24. And I had to give her all those, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, but she could figure out all the rest in between because she had a strong foundation in numbers of zero through 10 and she had a strong foundation in patterns. So those would be my two focuses. Literacy is about sound. I would, we, like we said, talking about rhyming, um, just play word games, sound games in your, in the car. Uh, I see the stop sign. I see the letters S T, uh, you know, identifying letters in the real world, maybe, um, hearing sound so pig that starts with the p -p -p sound what else starts with the p -p -p sound those types of things um but it would at the end of the day when i come back to it it all comes back to play yeah excellent emily we are so happy to have had you on uh blubs talk blub talks and uh, i want to tell you uh our listeners again that you can find out more by visiting our websites, uh, sandboxacademy.com, where you'll find tons of stuff that can help you get through your day and help your child develop independently and using play. Um, now, you, you, you wanted to offer something to our listeners as well. Yes. So I wanted to offer everyone a 10% off discount on this preschool playbook um, that I offer and it will be using the code blubs 10. Thank you, Emily, uh, for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, don't forget to like this video and subscribe to future blub talks or check out our Facebook or Instagram pages for more information about speech blubs and reading blubs. And if you haven't already download the speech blubs app to help your little ones speak. Thank you very much, Emily. It's been a Thank pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe for more content like this. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at SpeechBlubs. Visit our website, speechblubs.com, for more information on speech development created by experts. Last but not least, download the SpeechBlubs app to explore how you can improve your child's speech with us.